Hi, I'm Roz, your Cosmos Connector, connecting you to all things magical, metaphysical, healing, and artistic. On today's show, I have a little Cosmos news and a wonderful interview with a woman I just randomly found on TikTok. It is the most fun and unexpected interview I've done in quite some time. Um, her name is Heidi Nickerson. Um, you can find her on TikTok as Tarot Dawn. She's got some really wonderful explainer videos about the tarot, and you can see some of her art that she's creating for her own deck called Yellow House Tarot. Um, Heidi or Dawn's energy came through to me, and she felt so kind and genuine that I just asked her if she wanted to be on the podcast one day, and she immediately said yes. Um, I don't do that often, and especially to folks that I don't know or haven't followed for a while, but I just felt there was something about her, a story that she needed to share, and I was actually correct. Um, yay for going with my gut. Her story is about leaving the Mormon church and how tarot has helped her on her spiritual journey. This was a story that I was unexpected. I hadn't heard before, and Dawn was really gracious on sharing that with us, and it was really honest, which I think, of course, can be difficult, especially if you've been in a position of power or told something that, you know, isn't necessarily true. Um, we're seeing that a lot in our society where people just choose not to believe the truth. So I, I really appreciate it, Dawn, for what she's sharing. Um, she's also been inspired by the tarot because of the artist who was commissioned to do the illustrations, and that's Pamela Coleman-Smith. Uh, Dawn gives us a whole history about this wonderful woman and how, you know, when art is commissioned, you don't typically call it by the the publisher. And I think that's what we do. So really, it should be called the <laughs> Pamela Coleman Smith tarot deck because she is the one that brought life to this. But of course, you know, it, it was 1909. So the ladies weren't getting a lot of respect back then. Um, we weren't really actually able to vote either. And a side note about Pamela Coleman Smith, which was really weird. Uh, Don and I had had a conversation about when Pamela's birthday was, and I guess she was maybe a Pisces. She'd have uh, Venus and Saturn and Pisces, um, but she's Aquarius sun, which makes sense in a Leo moon. Like just this leaving this legacy to a entire community through her hobbies and adding children to it. Like that's very Aquarius Leo energy. When I was looking at these dates, she has passed, she passed September 19th, 1951. And that is the date today. So I think Pamela just wanted to let us know that she was here. And yes, um, she acknowledges and appreciates maybe that we're, we're talking about her more and more, and that she's getting the respect that she deserves. So that is my interview with Heidi or Tarot Dawn. And it's really fascinating. Um, I won't do too much Cosmos news today. We are about to hit Libra season, the fall equinox here in the northern hemisphere and the spring equinox in the southern. That will be September 22nd at 6.04 p.m. So the sun moving into Libra season. Happy birthday to my fellow Librans. I hope we have a <laughs> A good season. Then on September 25th, we have the new moon in Libra. So if you have the Jan Spiller new moon astrology book, check out what uh, to wish for or, you know, that pertains to Libra, uh, like marriage, partnerships, art, harmony, diplomacy, 
healing. If your North Node is in Libra, it's a good time to kind of think about these things. Um, you can even do some healing around the kidneys, uh, uh, diabetes, those kinds of things. So I highly recommend getting that book if you're interested. Um, and then Thursday the 29th, Venus moves home into Libra. She's been in very picky Virgo, which I can say that because I have a Venus, my Venus is in Virgo. Um, and so we'll move out of this kind of less looking at picking away at all the details and becoming maybe more balanced and diplomatic in our relationship. So that might feel a little better because the energy has been pretty intense um, as always. And then October 2nd, Mercury goes direct. Yay. So I've talked to so many Geminis whose cars have had challenges or broken down. Sorry about that, Geminis, but you're ruled by Mercury, and I hope Virgos haven't had it too hard either, but because they are also ruled by Mercury. So anyhow, Mercury moving through Virgo, um, and it'll push, it'll be there until the 10th, I believe, when it'll be back in Libra. So Mercury likes to be in Virgo. That's its rulership. It's um, domicile. I think it's exalted there. So it's really about uh, thinking about little details. And then once she moves, I mean, Mercury moves into Libra, it might even soften the energy a little bit more, a little bit um, kinder words, diplomatic words, thinking about uh, what we're saying in, in maybe a loving way. So that will be nice. So that's just a little cosmos news with the moon and Libra and Mercury happily sitting in Virgo and going direct. Got some other things going on, but just doing your work going slow still we've got still some other planets that are retrograde i believe pluto's gonna start moving forward very soon too and then we have mars going retrograde at the end of the month and um we'll be entering eclipse season around um the united states um our voting time so we're gonna keep an eyeball on that because it's well yeah <laughs> keep keep uh yay younger generation i think they're really gonna help us out but not without a little bit of whining from the old generations. Um, so that is the Cosmos News, and here is my interview with Tarot Dawn, Heidi Nickerson. Yay! And your name is Heidi, right? <laughs> it is, it is, but I, I mostly go by Dawn with like TikTok and tarot readings. So I, my middle name is Dawn. So oh, beautiful. Okay. I, I totally, either one is fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like, cause you're Gemini. I feel like those two personalities, I, I get that. Like you have one persona and then you have another persona. So, yeah. but I think it helps to kind of separate maybe you at home and your family versus like your work life too. And, and yeah, yeah. Like a reader and stuff. Yeah. That could be. A yeah. Well, and just leaving, like leaving the church and moving into this whole new spiritual realm and, and being introduced to tarot for the first time, it felt really appropriate to choose kind of like a new name to represent this, this new part of my life. But it also felt good to use, you know, my middle name because it's still my name. It's still a given name, um, but I had never used it in that capacity. So it, it felt like a good transition so yeah and I love that it's dawn like this dawn of a new era or age for you right so yeah that's pretty magical do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself because you have such a fascinating story I'm just like just just I'll let you just talk the whole time sure so I 
I guess I, I just, I was um, born and raised Mormon. I grew up a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, mm-hmm. and um, I patterned my life very much after all of the expectations of that religion. And, you know, I became a wife and mother and homemaker. And then a couple, you know, many, many years later, I was a member um, up until recently. So two years ago, it was actually during the, you know, COVID and we were all in lockdown. And so for the first time in my life, we were home from church and weren't going every Sunday. And it's a very high demand religion. There's lots of callings. You're there every Sunday. You're, we're there on Wednesday nights for youth group. And it's almost like you're so busy with all of it. You never really have time to stop and think about what you're doing you're just uh-huh. yeah and, uh, I think there's a I think there's, some, there's something up to that isn't there I think there's some intent behind that so we were home from church and we just for the first time and you know my husband and I after you know we've been married for 15 years and we were just kind of like wow our Sundays are free and this is so nice and we have time with our family we're doing less with callings and it was like there was a moment to kind of really reflect and okay. and pause And then um, I had had a sibling that left the church a year before, and I started talking to her more about her experience and why she had left. And then I had another sibling leave the church. And so I was talking to her and, you know, she was sharing me, you know, sharing with me all of her perspectives and all of a sudden I saw it. I just saw it. I, I recognized the massively problematic, um, structures that were in place mm-hmm. and also just <sighs> destructive, you know, pieces of church history. And I, in three days, I, I just said, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be a part of this. And so I went to my husband and I said, I think it's time to leave. And we, we talked to our children and told them, you know, what was going on and all the reasons we wanted to leave. And they, they were all on board. I mean, well, Scott was 12 at the time yeah. um, and he was already starting to notice some things that were feeling uncomfortable to him and things that he was not in agreement with, um, but he just wasn't really saying anything to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then my second oldest, Teddy, he was like seven at the time. Um, and so he didn't really have much of an opinion. It was just kind of like, cool. I don't have to wear an uncomfortable suit and <laughs> church on Sunday. I can stay home and play. So, I mean, he, you know, and then the twins were babies at the time, okay. was, you know, a year or so old. So, um, yeah. So yes. then we left and, and then all of the answers were gone. All of the, hmm all of the, you know, the entire spiritual framework that I had and my entire belief system and and much of the way I saw the world just crumbled and it was all gone. And I realized, um, I have to start over. I have to figure out what to do now and, and where my, where my framework lies and I have to build it myself. I can't rely on anyone to build it for me. Then my sister mm-hmm. got me a tarot deck and she said, I think this might help. Oh, <laughs> and, what a neat thing. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know what tarot was. I had never, I mean, I think I had seen it portrayed okay. in movies, but I didn't really recognize what it was I was seeing. Okay. And um, and I and I thought, well, this is really sweet, but I don't know what this is and how this can help me. And I probably will never use this. But yes. she said, just open up the deck and um, we'll do a reading and I'll kind of show you how it works. And she had sent me Tarot of the Divine by Yoshi Yoshitani. Which is and beautiful. It, it is mm. such 
an exquisite deck. So that was my very first deck and my very first exposure to tarot. And it was beautiful. And I just was blown away by Yoshi's artwork. Yeah. Completely, you know, pulled me into the stories. And Yoshi also all of the meanings parallel a, a story, a folk tale throughout the world. And it's just oh, such a phenomenal deck. And as I used it, these stories were healing me and helping me. Mm-hmm. And, and I was doing these layouts that were helping me navigate how to work through these emotions and how to work through the loss of this entire framework and this entire worldview that I used to have and was helping me build an entirely new one in this <laughs> beautiful, inclusive way. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Very different than your upbringing yeah. and Very kind of your different. world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Yoshi has done such a beautiful job of gathering stories from all over the world. And so I was able to use those stories to feel less alone and, mm-hmm. and to feel like I can get through this because these stories inspire me and and they just, they help me see what I need to do next. And yeah, um, yeah, it was such a, to take from the tarot, such a tower moment for you. Absolutely. Right. Like you see your structures has crumbled, you have fallen out of the tower kind of, (laughs) and, but you've landed and that's such a healing story because I think a lot of us, like we've talked about, do feel very alone. But mm-hmm. when we get on this kind of spiritual journey where we, for me, cut out the middleman a little bit and have this direct connection with source or my higher self or whatever we want to call it has made the path a little clearer. It's not fully clear, but at least it's, I know when I mess up, it's because I did it, you know, <laughs> I can only blame myself. Um, <laughs> and then I can quickly learn that lesson from that and try to not, you know, do it again or steer away um, from it. So your story is unbelievable because that too, like having grown up in that institution, I guess, and the fear of leaving something that is so part of your life. How did you use like, I know you talked a little about tarot, but also you're an artist, like use both like simultaneously. How are you using that to kind of heal? What a great question. Um, Yes. Yeah. I have used tarot and art in my healing process. And interestingly, one of the most difficult things for me to give up about Mormonism was legacy. Um, It was heritage and it was an identity um, because my ancestors joined the church along with Joseph Smith. I mean, they were right there with, they were early Mormon pioneers. I had an ancestor that was uh, served as a bodyguard to Joseph Smith um, and died protecting him. Um, And, and so there, the version of Mormonism that I grew up with was really, really honorable. And it was, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, all the stories that I was told about my ancestors, they were brave. They were, they sacrificed and they did all these things to, to build Zion. And I was a part of that building process. Yeah, and so heroic. It was very heroic. Yes. <laughs> and it linked me to them because I was building Zion too. I was engaged in the same work that they were engaged in seven generations later. Mm-hmm. And it gave me this incredible sense of connection to my ancestors and identity and purpose. Right. Right. And then that's, 
taken away. And I recognized that the story that I was told was very much a fairy tale. It's, there were very dark pieces to that history that I was unaware of and that I couldn't, I did not want to lay claim to anymore. And I recognized that my role in this building of Zion was actually a destructive structure in today's society. It it was a religion that, that hurts people that is, you know, that doesn't include large groups of people. And, um, and, and, and so it, it just, it, it wasn't the thing that I thought it was. And I wasn't building the beautiful thing that I thought I was building. Right. right. So the first thing that I actually did was I started to write children's songs because a part of, you know, huge part of Mormonism is music. And, um, and of course I'm a Gemini, so I do all the things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And And, good with words. You're very good with words and talking and (laughs) yeah. So I get it. Yeah. I love all the things and I'm a classically trained vocalist and (gasps) I, (laughs) you got to sing. No, I won't put you on the spot, but I want to hear your music later on. <laughs> I will sing for you any day. People, once I start singing, you can't get me to stop. I love singing so, so much. Um, but I had all these primary songs that I had been teaching my children for years. And I would sing them these songs to bed at night. And they were the same songs I had been sung to at night. And now I was like, oh my gosh, I can't. I don't want to. This music doesn't mean the same thing to me anymore. What do I replace it with? Wow. What, where are my lullabies now? Yeah. Where and, and it, it very much paralleled this feeling of loss of legacy and heritage and music and just all of it. And I was so sad. And so I started writing my own songs for my children. <laughs> and um, I wrote 150 songs that year. Oh my gosh. And a lot of the songs were actually also inspired by tarot cards. I would do readings. I would pull certain cards and then a song would come to mind. And so I was sort of using them in conjunction and I was just doing massive, massive healing in that time, figuring out who I am and what new legacy I want to give and what heritage I want to create today and in building this whole new thing for my children and my posterity. And, you know, let's let's build a new, our own Zion. Let's build our own beautiful world and invite everybody into it. And so my songs were about that. Can you, do you have one to share right now? Can you, I don't want to put you on the spot. So this is the song I sing to my kids every night. I have a whole bunch, but this one, I always sing. This one's called the eternal song Mm -hmm. because Yet another thing that I lost was this concept of um, families being together forever, right? reunited after we die, um, life after death, like all of that I had answers to. And I had things to tell my children when they were like, what happens when you die? And I had the answers and I had these beautiful stories and comforting beliefs to share with them that I truly believed. And then it was gone. It went away, so, yeah. Yeah. So now every night I sing them the eternal song and it goes like this. If I could pass the gates of time and in the future stand, if I could hold the centuries like pebbles in my hand, I'd watch you rock your little one as you sing the lullaby that sing your fathers off to sleep at the dawning of their lives. 
For we rise and fall in lifetimes like waves across the shore, just to splash into the darkness, but we echo evermore. I would tell you that I love you, that with me you'll always be home, that you're safe to tell me your story, that you'll never be alone. If I could leave a legacy, a song that ever flies, I'd sing a song that carries you to a love that never dies. I'd watch our children as they grow, as they learn this melody that links our hearts together for all eternity. Yay, that was beautiful. I love that. I wish I'd had that for my son when he was a baby. Or maybe I'll just send it to him now. Can anybody, are you, are these out? Are these songs out? Or is this just private, like for your family? I want to get them out, but I'm on, I'm in the search for someone to score them for me. I don't know how to do that. So I need help scoring them and then I'll record them and get them out. But that is a life goal. And there are any listeners out there who want to work with me help score. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I have. So I, you know, I, I love kids and I had so many messages that I wanted to share. And so, yeah, yeah. That was beautiful. Um, yeah, I think we have that connection of, of children and I've been working on a few children's books for a while now. So just, I was talking to a friend about legacy and like what we leave behind. And I just want something gentle like that and inclusive, like everybody can kind of be part of this and, you know, enjoy a piece or or to feel peace from my work, but also a little fun too, you know? (laughs) Well, you know, I think about, you know, the hardest things that I gave up with the church, you know, the music and the legacy and the heritage, it's identity, it's belonging. And it's a sense of love, right? Mm, yeah. A sense of like being seen and you're part of something bigger than yourself and a love that lasts outside and for, for, you know, generations and we can create that. We yeah. Can, and it doesn't have to be elitist, need, right? Yeah. You don't need a religion to give that to us. It's exactly. all, it belongs to all of us. It is our divine right. Yes. to love, be loved, and to let that love echo through the ages. That is our divine right as human beings. That's what we're put on this planet to do is to yeah. harness the power of love and share it. So I think that's beautiful. That's, that is, that is the legacy. And that's why we love our children so much because yeah. we're, we're, this is the next generation. They're going to outlive me. And I want my love to live with them. Yeah. Always, always. Oh my gosh. I got so many chills from that. Like <laughs> your energy just radiates through you know the screen and like I've I found you on TikTok okay I've been (laughs) just going on TikTok but your energy was so kind and sweet and really touching and so I wanted to have you on the show because I I feel like people need that like we don't need to be too um what's the word where it just feels like everybody's kind of sarcastic or um you know, it's okay to be sweet. It's okay to be kind to people, even when you get hurt. Yeah, It's not a reflection on you, or maybe there's a lesson in that. So I want to try to keep that in the forefront of my mind where it's, it's okay to be gentle and yeah. you know, gifts like that. Um, so we don't all have to be so 
harsh. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. <laughs> we need more kindness and gentleness and yeah. safe spaces for people to feel their feelings and tell their stories. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, speaking of which, you are an artist. We talked about that. You do watercolor paintings, but there is an artist that inspires you through tarot. Will you tell our listeners yes. about that? Because I don't think people really know that story. Yes, yes. So the tarot deck that most people are familiar with, the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, was designed by a woman named Pamela Coleman-Smith. And she was commissioned by Arthur Waite in the late 1800s to design a tarot deck that he wanted to make more mainstream. Tarot had been around for a long time. It's an old, it was actually originated in Italy in the 1400s. And it was kind of a game like bridge. And it only, I think it only had the major arcana at the time. And then it kind of evolved and grew over the years and different you know, countries would kind of merge and come in and conquer and, you know, like as history does. And then there was the French Marseille deck and then, you know, kind of migrated and kind of found its way all over the place. But it really became mainstream and started getting used for divination in the 1700s. And then in the late 1800s, the Golden Dawn, um, it's like a, like a hermetic order. It was like a you know, it was a group of, of spiritualists and, they, okay. you know, explore the metaphysical together. Right. Right. And, um, Arthur Waite was a part of this group and Pamela Coleman Smith was a part of this group okay. and tarot cards were one of the things that they were using to expand their spiritual exploration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Arthur Waite wanted a deck that was more versatile and one that they could kind of mass produce. And so he, he really liked Pamela Coleman Smith's artwork because he felt like she was very intuitive. Um, some people believe she was actually synesthetic because she would often paint music and she wouldn't know what she was going to paint. She would just paint what she saw as the music spoke to her. Oh, that's amazing. And so she had this very um, intuitive approach to artwork and he really liked that. And so he commissioned her to do the deck. Yeah. And he, he kind of guided her on the 20, the first 22 major arcana. He had some very specific ideas about how he wanted those cards to be portrayed, Mm -hmm. but he gave her free reign of all the pip cards. So all of the, um, you know, all the The minor, minor Mm -hmm. um, she designed and that's the bulk of the deck, you know? So, but then as the deck got out, it didn't include her. Right, know? right. Women, our stories. Where right. Are. And writer, I don't even know we call it. I don't know why writer got added to that list. Writer was the publisher. Yeah. I've got to change my wording. I've got to say you get a Smith weight tarot deck now. Like that's right? what I should really be saying to people right? who start I, out. Yeah. I call it the Pamela Coleman Smith deck because oh, cool. I mean, that's the artist. He commissioned her. Yeah. He didn't that, really, it's not his deck. It's hers. It's her creation. Absolutely. I was reading a little bit about her and like, you know, they call her Pixie and yes. uh, she's an artist, writer, mystic, but she was friends yes. with Bram Stoker, like the Dracula, oh, right? Is that true? She was friends with everybody. Really? She was with actresses, um, writers, poets, she was in that crowd. That was, those were her, those were her people. She, she loved all of that and she loved theater. She would do set designs. So yeah, she was very connected in that kind of 
burgeoning society where they're exploring, you know, new ideas and concepts in art and creativity and spirituality. And yeah. She just sounded like so much fun. Um, I keep trying to guess, like, is she a Pisces? Is she, but she's a little (laughs) mischievous. Is she a Gemini or an air? You know, she's got all these gifts and I should should find her birthday. We can, we can find her birthday. Yeah. 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 She was fun and she was small. That's why they called her Pixie because she was like, she was like four, 10 or 11. She was oh my gosh, little. That's my mom's height. My mom's yeah. four, 10, tiny person. Yeah, she was yeah. very short. And so they called her Pixie. And then she also just kind of had this magical air about her. Wow. Um, she loved children too. She really enjoyed. I think I did a TikTok about, you know, children in the tarot. And oh, yeah. Pamela Coleman Smith put a lot of children in her tarot deck. She, she does. I'm thinking. Thinking of the six, what is it? Six of cups, right? Well, yeah, the six of cups, of course, because it is the childhood card. But then right. you also have like the ten of coins, which you know the 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 couple of the, it, it kind of represents all the generations. But there's that little kid just kind of tucked behind his mom's dress, right? The sun. Yeah, absolutely. On horse, <laughs> just having a blast on that horse. Yeah. Like, I don't have a diaper on. Look at me. Right. <laughs> Look at <me>, twins. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I love that you're sharing that. Um, and then her particular style of art is watercolor with like pen and ink. Is that? Yeah, she did a lot of pen and ink. I think she worked with gouache, watercolor. Okay. Yeah. Are those your tools of choice too? Yes. Um, not so much pen, um, but watercolor. I okay. love watercolor. Yeah. Yeah. You've got some amazing cards because you're creating your own deck right now. How far have you gotten I am almost done. So I finished the major arcana. I have finished um, the suit of coins, the suit of cups. I'm halfway through wands and then we'll, we'll do the swords. Swords. Yeah. Yay. Swords. Um, Yeah. Leave those for last. Some of those are a little little prickly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah. No, I've gotten to see some of those. I think it was, um, is it the chariot, the bicycle with the basket? Yes. I yes. think it just, yeah, that one is so precious. And it it also connects me a little bit with like a nostalgia of like maybe our childhood because we're yes. in our 40s or getting to our 40s. Um, and it just reminds me of books that I read as a kid and, and these wonderful, huge illustrations that might be like in the book, like the secret garden or something yeah. that I just fell in love with as a kid or making me think of Anne of Green Gable. So it was just like, <laughs> so- <laughs> all my favorite childhood books. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah. the best, they're the best, yeah. they're the sweetest. Um, so where was I going? Yeah, I, I think that's why I'm so drawn to them because it definitely touches a part of my psyche growing up and wanting things to look like just a little simpler, you know, like I love my computers and things, but to just get on a bike and have little fresh flowers or something in a basket is just so, so again, kind. And I want to travel that way to, to see a friend, you know, and that would be a really nice way to go and a little straw hat or something. But um, (laughs) do you have a favorite in the deck that you've made? So um, the Empress is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, she's my favorite card. And the I love the the portrayal is out in my backyard and in the garden. And there are four yeah. pots of flowers to represent each of my children. <laughs> oh, very sweet. I yeah. love that too. And that's like four, such a grounding number. And, uh, you know, also you've got the 
for suits and, you know, kind of all this symbolism that I can pick up out of it because I love, I love that the four suits you're right yeah. oh, I love that. <laughs> and the elements and all this stuff you can bring in an astrology yes. as well um but I think when we talked earlier um before we recorded you talked a little bit about how your deck is a little different or how, that you go about it a little differently because you don't want to do any um per prediction or like, you know, kind of a symbolism that kind of excludes people. Could you yes. explain that a little more? Yes. So my deck, <laughs> my deck is unique. Um, mm-hmm. There are no people and there are no animals in my deck. Every single card is a scene mm-hmm. and it's, it, it's designed to feel like a window because I wanted this deck to feel like walking into someone's home. I wanted it and it, everything is based on my home. So everything you see in the deck is like really here. At I want to come to your house. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the home. It's the yellow house on the hill. Oh. And that's why it's called the yellow house tarot because everything is re- represented through a space that gives you a feeling, mm-hmm. you know, how, when you can, you walk into a home and you feel the energy there immediately. And that's what I wanted to create in a tarot deck, something that anyone could picture themselves in that scene. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're, where you came from. You're my friend here. You're welcome here. This is your home. And so I've taken out a lot of, I've just edited a lot. You know, they're just, I've edited all the people and I've taken out a lot of the more classic symbols that you would find in tarot deck symbols that to me, they don't necessarily mean anything to me personally, mm-hmm. but we have symbols everywhere. Our entire life is made up of symbols. My name is a symbol to represent right. me. You know, I hear Heidi or I hear Don and I picture that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just everywhere. And so I wanted to incorporate symbols that are familiar and recognizable to everybody mm-hmm. like, like cookies. Yeah. Delicious. <laughs> you know? There are cookies and macarons. My entire suit of coins are sweets and treats. And that makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. The material. And and that makes sense to so many people. And, you know, so like my five of coins is um, burnt cookies in the oven and the smoke is billowing out. And it's like, that's a situation that we can all relate to. We've all been there. We know what that feeling is. We know what it feels like to have that smoke in your eyes and you can't see anything. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I burned the cookies and nothing worked out the way I wanted it to. And, you know, and so it's just this, you um, feel left out in the cold, which is the, you know, Pamela Coleman Smith image of these two right? people out in the cold. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sort of and like disappointment. And what do we do now? Yeah. yeah. I put in all that time and energy on trying to bake something. And so, yeah, yeah scrape them off the cookie sheet and try again, you know? <laughs> right. And then, you know, it, it's, and then in the next card, the six is the generosity card. And so I have six bags of macarons. And when my sister was looking at it, she said, oh my gosh, it's like you pivoted from that five and it didn't work out the way you wanted to. So you went to the store and you bought some bags of macarons and you're not going to let this stop you from sharing with your friends. And I was like, what a beautiful yeah. of this progression because now we've got a transition that also means adaptability yeah. and flexibility. And so that's something that's been emerging in my deck so much is everyone that looks at one of these situations because yeah. they've been in that situation, 
they pull so much out of it. And I'm like, those, those are the powerful symbols. Those are the symbols that I want everyone to see because that's where the power is. You know, I, right. Random. I know some salamander, (laughs) a salamander or an old Masonic symbol. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, what does that mean in my life? I have no context for that. I, I don't use that. I don't participate in that. And Rant, it's not random that I would mention Masonic symbols because right. that's another reason why I feel kind of put off by symbols is my, you know, the Mormon church, so that religion is full of symbols. And a lot of them are used in the temple and a lot of them come from mm-hmm. the Freemasons because most of the church founders were Masons as well. Okay. So a lot of those symbols are still there. And I never understood them. I was like, these are not mine. These don't belong to me. I'm not a builder. I don't <laughs> like, what? this does not apply to my life. Like I'm a homemaker. Oh, I, I know. Growing up Catholic and looking at the stations of the cross, this horrific story of this man carrying this and the blood. And you're just like, I'm three. <laughs> like, yeah. how does this relate to me eating this box of raisins? I'm trying to listen. So yeah, the, not gentle stuff, you know, this is... No doesn't all need to be right. that scary. Right. <laughs> and not really relatable. It no. has nothing to do with my life experience, but right. burnt cookies. Yeah. That has a lot to do with my life experience. I've done yeah. that a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> same, same to the point. And then you go to the store or somebody comes along with, mm-hmm. you know, unexpectedly, here's some cookies. I have extra and I, that loving generosity that, that well, we can share. See, and there's yet another interpretation of that card. I yeah. love that. Yeah. That, that, that has been the power that's been emerging out of this deck. And it's been really, really fun to see. Oh, definitely. I'm getting lots of chills on the left side. Like you definitely receiving some really cool downloads that I think it's, it's necessary. You talk about like inclusion and all this stuff. And it's so important now as we see, you know, people still reacting to a mermaid movie and you know she's like she's black mermaids can't be black and it's like but the lore like african culture yeah there's black mermaids so it's okay come on (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's where mermaids came from (laughs) i understand why you've taken the people out and the animals too i was talking to um my friend's niece, I actually, I was mentoring her. She's in an art class and I was helping her get through it. But we were talking about art and like how certain abstract paintings bring you more in and you're part of the story of the image as opposed to something that was, I think it's pre-Raphaelite. Well, it's like, you know, we're looking at Ophelia and she's floating in the water and it's like, that's her story. And I, I can make speculations, but when you do something where it's just an image. And you, like you're saying, this window, you get you to be. You are the character. You yeah. I mean, you are the center of the picture because. This yeah, is, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I also wanted to do that as a nod to Pamela Coleman Smith because she was a set designer. And so I feel like oh, she would love this. I feel she like she'd would. be like, oh, what a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel any like connection? Like some of us have like spirit guides and things like that. Do you feel like she's part I, of that? I adore Pamela Coleman Smith <laughs> because, you know, I've, I've, I've read some books about her and mm-hmm. I just love her deck. And, um, I, I don't know. I just, it's, her deck is the one I primarily use uh, when I read for people. And okay. Yeah, no, I same. Do. I 
I really like that deck. I always suggest it to people as like, get that and then something else that really calls to you and then compare and contrast and take your own notes and, you know, yeah. And that's a lot of fun because then you're part of it. You get familiarized with the tools because these are just tools. Mm -hmm. They're not something that are supposed to run your life or like, you know, every five seconds, check the cards. Yes. Which I've gone through that. And every time it's like, (laughs) stop, you know, hang man, don't do that. No. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. change your perspective okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so oh yeah but when you finish the deck like you have an etsy shop because i want people to be able to i find do you. i do i have an etsy shop um i will i'll submit it for publication with u.s games um and then depending on whether or not that happens i mean i'm not expecting that but why not try yeah so um I, I'll try and get it published. And then if not, I'll go ahead and I'll self-publish it and then I'll sell it in my Etsy shop. And okay. yeah, I haven't done a whole lot there, but I, I would like to, once I finish this deck, then I would like to write a book, a, like a real, not just the little white book, but a, yes. a very extensive companion book to go with this, just to kind of share my approach to tarot and um, how I weave stories and how I use um, a more counseling approach versus mm-hmm. divination um, and just why I believe tarot is so effective because I feel like it's a wonderful disruptor. You know, we get mm-hmm. into these thought ruts and these patterns of thinking that just yes. kind of circle around and around and around. And we, we look at problems from the same perspective over and over and over. And we think, there's no solution here, but you bring that problem or that question to a tarot deck and you have these 78 random perspectives <laughs> and you choose a random perspective. And then you have to try and adjust your thought process to echo yeah. what you see there. And it starts to disrupt your old patterns of thinking. And that's why I think it's such a powerful tool oh. because it just, it really encourages us to challenge our thoughts and to think about things from a different perspective and to see things in a different way. And then we're able to often move on and know what to do next. Yeah. And that's such a a part of your story, moving from the church and having tarot kind of help you kind of change that perspective. Cause that I've had those moments where it's like, whoa, that did not work out or I was totally in the wrong in that idea. Yes. But it doesn't mean you just stop and don't continue on a different road or something. So maybe a more fun road for you or <laughs> for you guys yeah. and maybe more authentic too. And you, you can, your boys, especially the oldest one who was already getting those inclinations, the younger generation, they just know already they like, know. yeah, that's old timers. We're, we're catching up. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> I appreciate them every day. I love talking to younger people and just go, oh my gosh, your perspective is so different. Thank you for that. You know, so Let's see. Is there anything else? We've had such a really fun conversation. I love talking to you. I know. Um, I I enjoy talking to you too so much. You're just amazing. I really thank you and appreciate all the work that you've done because I, it's got to be hard to find yourself in a place where you feel like you're totally in the wrong kind of, you know, like your whole life has kind of been a lie in some ways, you know, which is like, oh my gosh. And I know there's so many people out there who choose to just, you know, disassociate or say that's not, but that's not me, but I'm still part of this group. Um, It's because it's hard to leave leave those people behind. Um, But the growth is so phenomenal. And the people that you do bring in to replace the old 
hundred times worth it. Like yes. just so much better. So yes. Well, and it's, I, I mentioned this before when I talked to you, the, that I recognized rather quickly to never make my discomfort more important than someone else's pain. Really. I can't, I can't call what I have gone through anything greater than a discomfort because it's mm-hmm. just, just a challenge. It's a change of perspective. It's uncomfortable, but I have not been the oppressed in this situation. I have been standing with the oppressors. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, walking away may be uncomfortable for me, but it is that, that, that discomfort is not as important as the pain that it has caused others. And so that allows me to walk away and feel very good. And I I don't, I don't feel, you know, too lost because I'm, I'm grateful that I no longer have to be a part of of an organization that creates pain for other people. Absolutely. I love, I love people. And the minute I saw that, the minute I saw, I knew I I couldn't stay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you were able to make that leap and you have people in your life to support that, um, which is really powerful too. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, Again, if you want to follow Heidi, she's at Tarot Dawn on TikTok. And she also has a Etsy shop at Tarot Dawn. And of course, if you want to chat with me, I'm still at Astrology Airheads on Instagram or Cosmos Connector on Instagram. And you can find me on TikTok as well. All this has been recorded in my little house in San Diego in a couple of weeks. Or actually, you'll hear from me in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Um, Thanks, everybody. Take care.